Thursday, November 25th, 2021. Thanksgiving 2021. Welcome to the Geeky Sports Guy Show. This is Craig, your Geeky Sports Guy. I hope you guys have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Spend some time with family. Get out there. Enjoy the extra long weekend if you have it from work. And enjoy some football. Now, traditionally, I'd be going down to the Lions game Thanksgiving. I'm not this year. Got a couple different reasons for it, but obviously a big one is how they're doing right now. We're going to get into it, and I'm going to break down if that game's even watchable, or is it one you just kind of have on the background of the TV while you hang out with the family. We're going to go through the big game, the game, Saturday at noon, Michigan-Ohio State. And Michigan State, after this loss, where does that leave them? College football playoff rankings are out. What are they telling us? Who's in? Who's out? Have they made those decisions yet? Can we tell that and where they're placing teams? We'll get through it all. Guys, it is amazing. We're already in the final regular season week of college football. We are barreling towards the end of this year. It's been a blast so far. Let's keep it going. We have conference championships coming up. we got bowl season. We're going to have NFL playoffs. We got a lot to look forward to still. We're just, we're getting through it. You know, we're in that, coming into that final quarter of the season of football. So, still got time. Tell your friends, tell your family, subscribe to this podcast, review it, join the social medias. Let's have some fun. Let's grow it. Again, the more things I, you guys give me, the more things I can do. Otherwise, let's get into the games and let's get into Turkey Week. Starting with Michigan State. Michigan State's number 12 right now. Michigan State had a rough weekend, but I think we all saw it coming. They lose 56-7 to the Ohio State Buckeyes. And now there's multiple schools of logic going on with this game. I kind of want to look at both. I think one's kind of a cop-out. Now I'm a Michigan fan, so it's going to sound jaded. But I'm trying to look at this through, you know, the best possible lenses I can without trying to have my fandom come out too much. Now, Michigan State went into this game on the highest of highs. I mean, you're talking the highest levels of the D'Antonio era. You're hearing about the Mel Tucker extension. It's not done yet. They're not talking about it anymore. I still think it'll get done, but this obviously hurt it a little bit, at least for the time being. But all that announcements, all that celebration, it seems Ohio State was listening. And with that, you have some issues. Ohio State loves bulletin board material. They love tearing teams apart. They love taking teams at their high and putting them down back in the dirt. That's why Ohio State's been the Big Ten. They are the Big Ten. That's the only reason the Big Ten is relevant for the past decade is Ohio State. Let's just be honest with that. State had some good years. Iowa's been good, but overall it's been Ohio State. Ohio State's the only one from the Big Ten that has even had a pulse in the playoff. Now this game, I'll admit going into it, I thought Michigan State had a shot. I teased them in a couple bets. I had them stay within four touchdowns, and God, was I wrong. I mean, this game kicked off, and State looked great in their uniforms. I am so jealous of the people putting together their uniforms, the dark green helmets just look great. This game was over on that first kickoff. Michigan State just, I, I don't know, because here's where the two schools of thought kind of come into this game. Some people... Like Rico Beard of 97 won the ticket in Detroit, wanted to come out and say, Michigan State, this just showed, you know, the talent gap and how much better Ohio State is than everyone. Didn't want to acknowledge State playing bad or anything like that. It was State is at their level and Ohio State's just a whole nother level. And it is what it is, but no one can be mad about that. I think that's a cop-out. The same with the people that are sitting there going, 
Oh, well, you know, Michigan State was only supposed to win four and a half games. By the way, I told you they would win more. Hope you cashed that ticket. But, oh, they're only supposed to win four and a half games. You know, this is a win. You know, this is house money. We are happy with no matter what happens now. I think that's a cop-out. I think, look, if you're going to pay your coach, which you're going to pay him, and I know it's not your money, it's not the school's money, you're entering the big boy stage. And if you're on the big boy stage, you can lose to Ohio State when they're this good. You can't do what you did. And that's where the other school of thought kind of comes in. Michigan State lost this game from the get-go from a pure lack of execution, a lack of readiness, a lack of preparedness, and just a lack of try. They rolled over immediately. And there's a lot of things in this game I don't understand, if I'm being honest. Uh, look, is Kenneth Walker hurt? Because if he's not hurt, like a true injury, you completely took him out of any chance of winning a Heisman. I mean, the game probably did that itself. But six carries? And I think, I mean, those were all in the first half. Like, six carries in the first half. And you kept giving it to splitting with Jordan Simmons and Elijah Collins. Like, why? <laughs> I mean, that third drive, Simmons uh, fumbles it. And I'm just sitting there going, why is Simmons even holding the ball? I mean, Walker has to be hurt. I would, I would think he has to be hurt. It's a very confusing situation. And... I mean, Ohio State, you knew they had weapons. You knew Michigan State's biggest weakness was Ohio State's biggest strength, and this was what's going to happen. Now, is Ohio State, could Ohio State do this to any single team they play? I don't think so. I don't even think this would, or nine times out of ten, this isn't going to happen to Michigan State. This is the one game where they came out flat. It, State looked defeated the second they took the field. And it's it sucks, and I don't want to make fun of it too much because I've seen Michigan do this. I've seen Michigan do this against Ohio State. It's... There's no excuse for it, though. And this is, I mean, i it's got a Tucker short career. This is the worst coaching I've ever seen him do. And you're going to say, game plan, what would you have done differently? These guys are so good. Defensively, Michigan State might as well not have even had safeties on the field. There was no overtop coverage. That got ripped off completely. You were looking at wide receivers that were wide open by 10, 15 yards. Now, all season, Michigan State's done this bend but don't break. But, I mean... There wasn't even bend here. It was just break. There was no resistance at all. And you want to take Stroud. Stroud's only weakness that has been shown so far in his young career is when he moves out of the pocket, he gets a little, I won't say like scared, he gets flustered. And that's where some of his mistakes happen. He doesn't know what to do and he doesn't trust his feet. There's a couple times you saw, I think there's play like on Michigan State 18, second and like 10 and Stroud had all day and the whole field to run easily could have ran in for a touchdown but he waited for a 10-yard pass because he doesn't trust his legs and now that's something that we'll get into when we talk more about Michigan Ohio State this week but Michigan State just couldn't get a pass rush on and I again it's it's weird because it's not some people sit there and say well you know their line is just so good Michigan State didn't blitz like, a couple times they did and it was read and picked up, and it's like they gave up and just wanted to sit people back in coverage, but your extra people in coverage suck. Like, there's no good secondary for players coming in from Michigan State. Your starters are terrible. You knew this going into the game. That was your biggest weakness. That's how Purdue put up 500-some yards of your passing. Hell, Cade McNamara put near 400 yards of passing. The cornerbacks and safeties are terrible. And... From what I saw, unless something crazy happened that I don't know about, it looked like Michigan State was going to play a defensive style where they were going to rely on their corners making plays. And it just wasn't going to happen. And this game was over before it began. Michigan State abandoned the run. It looks like their game plan wasn't even to have the run. 
when Walker, I mean, he touched the ball a couple times. He did. He looked okay. Like, he looked like he was getting pressure. He looked like he was taking hits well. They just went away from it immediately and kind of put the game on Peyton Thorne, who has been good all season. Not great. Good. And without time and without, uh, you know, you had Jaden Reed, but you didn't have Naylor. Michigan State just didn't have the weapons to do the game plan that they had. It's just confusing. So I've seen Michigan do this, too where Jim Harbaugh is so stubborn and wants to do something like running and it's not working. And instead of abandoning it and kind of running on the fly and coming up with a new strategy, you just bang your head against the wall until you lose. And, you know, you sit there and I, it, the game plan just really doesn't make sense. And now a lot of people are also talking about the contract. And you announced that contract one before it was done, which is weird that State would let that get out. I know it got leaked, but things only get leaked if you want them to get leaked. Michigan State made this decision, and now they're going to have to go through with it. And I still think they should. Like, extending, you know, Tucker is the right decision. Giving him that big of a contract is what you have to do if you want to be a big player. You have to overspend. It's like you look at any of the Detroit pro teams. You have to overspend on free agency to just get people to come here. You're not the biggest destination. And if you're not the biggest destination, you got to make up for it with cash. And that's how it's going to work for Tucker. And it seems like he's a good fit. He understands the culture. He seems like a, he could really work in the Midwest-style football game. I, I'm fine with that. But if you're a State fan and you watch this game and you didn't at least question the contract for a second, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not going to say you don't do the contract, but I'm not going to say you just assume it's going to be 100% slam dunk. It's a gamble. And the gamble can work out. But, I mean, you know, it's the age-old saying, like, you can't, uh, you can't lose what you don't put in the middle, but you can't win anything either. You have to take the risk. You have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And this is the time you hold them and you play and you might lose. And Tucker might not be good in a couple of years, but you got to take the shot. But this was, it just sucks for Michigan State because everything's flying so high on this season. And this is just kind of, you know, you're flying down the highway and you got a flat right now. And you got to get to your next station. You have one more, a couple more miles to go. You just got to get through Penn State. And Penn State is in a tailspin, but two things are going for Penn State right now. They made a commitment to Franklin. Franklin is a snake oil salesman. He is not a great coach. Big games, he is terrible. And he just convinced everyone that USC was going to hire him, so Penn State gave him the bad. 10 years, $75 million. And he's been there for a while. Like, you look, that's the same. That's a $20 million less contract than what Tucker's getting, at, allegedly. I mean, allegedly on Tucker's side. Or Franklin's contract signed. So they have the commitment to their coach. And now while their season's been a little bit of a tailspin, they haven't been terrible. They just haven't been great. And now they're traveling to Michigan State. To Michigan State, the current number 12 team in the country. And Penn State's favored by a point. It's It doesn't make sense, if we're being honest. It's one of those, I mean, betting-wise, you go with Penn State. Because when a spread doesn't make sense like that, you lean into it. Look at this past weekend where Oregon, the number three team in the country, is traveling to Utah and Utah is a three-point favorite. It doesn't make sense, but you saw how the game finished. You lean into it. And that's kind of where I think we go with this game. But Michigan State has to win this. Look, I don't think they are. And I think they're down too many weapons. And you look at the end of the season where you lose three out of your last four games after starting 7-0. and It doesn't look good. And I know there's going to be a lot of people saying, well, we were only supposed to win like four games. We're picked to be last in the Big Ten. I get that, but it's still like expectations change as you succeed. And as Michigan State did better this year, the expectations rose. 
and to end on such a dud like this and possibly not even a New Year's Six Bowl if you lose this game. Michigan State wins this game. There's still a chance they could go to the Rose Bowl. That's on the table. Now, Michigan loses to Ohio State. I think Michigan will still get it. Not that that's fair, but just based off the name recognition and the brand, Michigan will fill the stadium better than Michigan State will. It's just how it is. It's just business at that point. But I think State will still get a New Year's Six Bowl if they beat Penn State. I don't know if they can, though. I mean, it's just, it's a weird end of the season, and it sucks. And it's not bad, but it's not good. And it's just, I don't know what to do with it. It is what it is. Now, over on the East Coast, you have Michigan traveling to Maryland. Michigan, now ranked number five, defeats Maryland 59-18. And this was a weird game, too. Uh, I mean, it was never in doubt. Michigan was going to dominate them. We knew that. Maryland's not a good team. And Michigan's pass rush, pass rush is exactly what would just disrupt them. But, you know, it was a little bit closer. It looked like Michigan wasn't staying on gas. It was 24-3 at half. And then all of a sudden... Just this explosion in the third quarter where Maryland had some life and woke Michigan up. It was uh, about 42, 43 points scored in the third quarter, which sucked because I was on the under. And it looked like a sure thing until that quarter. Michigan woke up and, you know what? Michigan needed a game like that to kind of, I think, psych themselves up and tell their players, maybe we can compete with Ohio State this Now, all around, everyone played great. Cade had, you know, 260 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, completed 75% of his passes. JJ came in, looked pretty good in his time. Uh, rushing went well. Haskins still playing pretty good. I mean, they didn't really need to do much. It was, you know, they had everything open for them. There wasn't much they had to worry about. I mean, the big news would probably be the emergence of Donovan Edwards. He's a local kid. He's out of West Bloomfield. 10 receptions, 170 yards, and a touchdown. He looked very good, and I think he's going to be a big piece moving forward for Michigan in the next couple of years. We'll see how it goes. Tua's brother, Talia, is just not a good quarterback. He's okay. I think the Big Ten is a very bad fit for him. I think he'd be really good in the Big 12. I think he'd even be... He won't go that low, but he'd be a hell of a Mac quarterback. It would be something awesome to watch. Like at Me as a Central alumni, I would love to have him at Central Michigan. He would be great. <laughs> I would... That would be such a get. But, you know, he went to Maryland. This is his career, and it is what it is. He's not going to play on Sundays, and he's okay. I can see why Alabama dumped him. It makes sense. I just think Big Ten was a bad fit with the tough defense. It's just he's small. He's trying to be shifty and running, and it just doesn't work out with the kind of defense he's going to go up against. Maryland, you know, they still got a chance to salvage their season. They got another game. If they can win, they get full eligibility. But... Really, there's nothing to talk about in this game because it was a squash. Michigan ran a lot of things. They worked a lot of players into the game. Jim showed some trick plays, let the kids have some fun because I think he knew, like, the second that game ticked to zero, it's Ohio State week and got to be locked in, got to be focused. So that's where we go. Saturday noon, Michigan versus Ohio State. Over our spread right now is eight points. Ohio State has been holding. That means people are betting. People are betting on both sides. It's not moving. So people have confidence in Michigan. And as a Michigan fan, I have zero. And I can't say it's because I have football reasons for it, because I don't. It's just going through the Jim Harbaugh era so far, there's nothing I can say to myself to psych myself up and think we can win, because I haven't seen it. I've seen this season play out before. Michigan 10-1. and People talk about they could be better than Ohio State. They could go to the playoff. They could have everything they've ever wanted. Jim's turning it all around. 
And then, you know, Ohio State just tears us apart. And it happens time and time again that it gets to the point that, you know, your heart just can't really take it anymore. <laughs> it's sad but true. And I can't psych myself up for this. And local radio host Mike Valeni is a notorious Michigan State fan. Even he thinks Michigan's going to win. But, you know, he says part of it is he just, as a state fan, just can't see it happening for Michigan. That he's convincing himself it will Kind of like, you know, the worst thing that you can see is going to happen and you just go with it. Michigan, look, the difference, it's not going to be like the Michigan State game. I can say that pretty confident. And that's just because of the different styles. Michigan is going to try to shorten this game as much as they can. Running the, uh, running the ball a lot, running the clock down, not running hurry up offense, and trying to limit the possessions of Ohio State. Doing that. And getting our Stroud out of the pocket, using our Ajabo, using Hutchinson, and moving Stroud around and shortening the game is where your chance is. Because if you can get Stroud out of the pocket, get him to make a mistake or two. And I'm not even saying turn the ball over or fumble. I'm saying get into the red zone where Ohio State has struggled a bit in the red zone when they can't take the top of the field off. They have struggled, but get them to the point and settle for some field goals. Take a couple possessions away from them by taking the clock down. You might have a shot. You might have a chance where, you know, you're only down a score or two, uh, third, fourth quarter. And, you know, you're right there. It, I'm not going to say Michigan's going to win this game, but on paper, they have a shot. Now, should they win? No. Could they win? I'm not going to say it's a 0% chance. I'm not going to say it's a 50-50 game. I'd say it's like 80-20. Michigan's probably got a 20% chance of winning this game. It's... The difference, because everyone's going right now, Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan State beat Michigan and then got destroyed. So, therefore, Michigan should get destroyed. And I hate that using that property. I hate just because A beat B doesn't mean B will beat C. You know what I mean? It's Michigan matches up better with Ohio State than Michigan State did. Michigan State's fatal flaws are secondary. Michigan, their secondary isn't the best, but it's a lot better. Uh, their defensive line, their line, or outside rush gets a lot more pressure, which helps that secondary a lot. And Michigan can take, well, Kenneth Walker's a great running back. Michigan is more set up to run the game sustained throughout the night. Michigan State kind of made themselves more big play, big play team. And when you don't have your big players and you're down, it's hard to do that. You, it's, hard, it's a hard tempo. Michigan State relied on setting up a lot of runs with Walker and then all of a sudden being able to take a shot. Now, when you couldn't set up the runs anymore, you, the shot that you were taking wasn't as crazy. It wasn't as, I mean, not crazy. It wasn't as out of nowhere. It wasn't as surprising. Now, Michigan doesn't take shots. They might in this game. I, I would imagine Jim's going to do some things we haven't seen. You're probably going to see JJ in a couple different packages we haven't seen before. It won't be the usual. He's just going to run it. They probably have some place set up for this. Jim knows. This is... This is his career, and I'm not saying he's going to get fired if he loses this game, even though I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate moving on from Jim if we finish another 10-2 season with losses to our rivals and just start fresh. But Jim knows this is, it's it's like when an actor plays the same role over and over again. Like, look at Ray Liotta. You see him acting, you're like, oh, he's some kind of mobster guy, right? Jim's typecast as the coach that loses to Ohio State and Michigan State at the end. Michigan State then loses to Ohio State at the end of the season, ends in a disappointment cries to the refs and we move on to next year with more hope and you know just snake oil that's what jim has been and this is a chance for them to turn the corner a little bit jim's been a little bit different this year now in the michigan state game you won't whine so much about the refs it kind of ruined a lot of that goodwill but some things have changed he's took off the bow costume which is fantastic because and i will say this and it'll be controversial 
whatever. I don't care how long of a Michigan fan you are. Michigan or sent out that report that they found themselves, the university found that Bo knew about sexual assault, did nothing about it. I want nothing to do with Bo. He never won a national title anyway. His bowl record was abysmal. All the little cliches saying, just get rid of it all. Let's just move on. And then Jim, you know, he started wearing his own clothes again. He wasn't playing dress up. And the offense changed a little. Now, didn't change too much, but a little bit. And the defensive philosophy, Tom Brown's gone. It's not that same blitz all night kind of mentality where crossing routes will just destroy you. I think McDonald's, I'm not going to say he's for sure better, but I think he will make more adjustments than Brown did. Brown was so set in his ways being a little bit older that he, like Jim, why they got along so well, dug in and said, my way will work or we will die trying it. McDonald's different. He's going to move some things around. And you've heard it all year. Ohio State's defense isn't great. You know, they're allowing 250 yards a game passing, over 100 yards rushing. They're just blowing teams out through the air. Now, if Michigan can slow the game down, take some possessions away, get some points on the board, they have a chance. Not a good one, and I would never bet on them to win here. But if I was outside looking and I wasn't a Michigan fan and I wasn't burned so many times, I'd have to say plus eight looks pretty good. And now one thing I didn't even really think about or realize until we got here is Michigan, whenever in the Jim Harbaugh era, whenever they've had a really good team, those years where the teams were really good, but they got stopped by Ohio State at the end, those games were always at Ohio State. This is the one of the first times that Michigan has a very good team and the game's at home. Maybe that's enough. Maybe the crowd helps. Maybe Stroud. And this is going to be the biggest moment of Stroud's career so far. The toughest road environment he's played in against the best team he's played on the road, the best defense, the best pass rushers. Is that enough to get him off his game and give Michigan an edge? They just got to open that door a little bit and push their way through. Can it happen? I don't think so, but I wouldn't say there's a 0% chance like a lot of people are. I would say Michigan's going to fight. It might not go their way and it might get ugly late. But if they do what they need to do and stick to the right game plans, I think they have a shot. I think they match up well. Now on to the Lions, and I, it's hard to be excited at this point. It, this used to be such a great week for me, Thanksgiving, going down to the game tradition. That's why I got season tickets in the first place, was I wanted to go to the Thanksgiving Day game. I love that, getting up in the morning, being down at the Detroit Parade, going to the game, coming back for dinner. It was a lot of fun, but this year, wow. it's And I, I think I've been one of the most supportive voices that the Lions have had out of people I know, out of people I've heard. I'm one of the last people, but Dan Campbell just... Look, he seems like a great guy. He's a guy I want to succeed. He's the type of person I think the NFL needs. Someone who is human, wears their heart on their sleeve, is doesn't seem like a complete dirtbag, seems like a genuinely good guy. That's the hardest thing about critiquing Campbell on this is he seems like a good guy. He seems like a guy you'd buy a beer, hang out. He seems like a guy that you could trust for a second, you know, if you're running into a store to make sure uh, no one takes your parking spot, you know, something like that. He's a guy that just seems good and you want good things for. But the mistakes are piling up and it's hard to... I want him to do good. I want him to be the Lions coach that takes him to the promised land. I do. But... Look, okay, one thing that I have been on him hard for the last eight, nine, ten weeks, because I hate Jared Goff, is why aren't we playing our backup quarterbacks, giving them a shot? Well, I now know why we didn't play Tim Boyle. I mean, granted, he was hurt most of the year, but Tim Boyle, 
he makes Goff look like a tremendous quarterback, and that's not saying much. Boyle can't throw, and then, like, the end of the half, everyone was talking about, oh, by the way, I mean, yeah, we lost 13 times to Cleveland, for those of you that didn't watch the game. Uh, end of the half, Lions, you know, they're down 13 nothing. get the ball with, like, a minute and a half left. They tried running a little, some short passes. People go, why aren't you letting him throw deep? Just take a shot. Just try. Well, started the second half, they did that, and Boyle just threw it up into double coverage. It was not a good throw. It was behind, got picked off, and he was just... And it sucked because, like, the first play they come out, they run this great bootleg to Hawkinson. It was scripted. It looked it looked like it was there. It looked different from what they'd been doing, and they never went back to it. It was like they ran these couple plays and had this good first drive that stalled out, and then they just stopped. And they went back to just running the ball. And I mean, Swift looked great. He had a 57-yard long touchdown run, uh, like 136 yards. I think he's the first Lions running back since, like, Barry to have two uh, 100-yard rushing games back-to-back. Swift is the real deal. He looks good, but it's looking more and more like he... I mean, what are we going to do, pay him in three years? He's running back. It's We're basically paying him and enjoying him to just be a little bit of dessert from the horrible dinner that we have to eat every night it's Hawkinson looked all right but Hawkinson doesn't get the ball anymore because we don't have any quarterbacks that can throw it and I think Thanksgiving they really wanted uh Boyle to keep going if he had a good game but he didn't and now we're rushing Goff back and I think David Blau could play it's it's a mess and you played a Cleveland team that you're in the rain Baker Mayfield can barely move his shoulder is so messed up he got his foot got hurt his leg got messed up he was a statue back there and he made so many mistakes and he did everything to keep the lines and the lions just couldn't move the ball the and the one positive about the lions i can say is the defense is sneakily good now they need a lot of help from the other team making mistakes but they make plays when they need to and they give the offense a chance i mean there's been games where they got destroyed but like games like the last two they were in it, and the defense, you know, they had a lot of effort. They got to the ball. They were tackling. It was, they made moves. They got turnovers. And then we, offense, we got the ball, and, you know, it's just not good. And Campbell took uh, play calling away from Anthony Lynn two weeks ago. Why? I don't know. He's never called plays before, and, I, you know, at first I defended him. I'm like, look, he's a first-time coach. There's a first time for everything. Let him take a shot. Our offense has been terrible. How much worse could it be? Well, it's worse. And it's not even, like, it's because it's still Lens plays. It's still the same execution. It's just the order how they're being called. And Campbell will run a, like, third, at the end of this game, like our second from last drive, third and four, or last drive, sorry, third and 14, and you're in a draw up the middle. Game on the line, three minutes to go. You run a draw up the middle and punt. And the last game against Pittsburgh, he did the same thing. Third downs and long were runs. And he doesn't want to throw the ball. He says he doesn't want to put his quarterback in a bad spot because, well, they suck. But you guys decided to keep these quarterbacks on the team. Why are they here if we have no faith in them to do anything ever? And then, look, so everyone's on Campbell for the fourth and one, ten minutes to go. Well, basically what happened, Mayfield throws a pick. Lions get the ball in Browns territory. Haven't been down this deep the entire game. They're down uh, at this point, what was it? Uh, 13-7. Down 13-7. 10 minutes to go. They're on like the 20. It's fourth and one. Campbell kicked the field goal. Made it a three-point game. Now, I, I personally wanted to go for it, but I understood it. What I hate, 
this is the thing. Like, let's criticize Campbell where we can, but the media in Detroit is so hypocritical at this point. Where he kicks it, and he gets vilified for it for not being aggressive enough and needs to realize they need to win games and he can't play scared. But when he did that all earlier in the season, he was the bad guy for that, and he doesn't. he's so meat-headed that he doesn't understand when to take points when he needs to. It, it's just it's sad to see that's how the media is. And it makes me think, like, you know what, Campbell just quit. Don't deal with it here because they're terrible. And who are you going to hire? Like, everyone talks about, like, uh, Caldwell talked about when he was here how horrible the Detroit media is to the Detroit Lions. And it's true. And the Lions haven't given us anything. The organization, the Fords, them. Be horrible to them. But these coaches that we bring in, it's Campbell's first year. And we're treating him like, you know, he's Ford Jr. himself. It's the back and forth nature of that is just annoying. But beyond the fourth and one, the third and 14, and he runs that throw and then they punt. You just can't do that. And he even he admitted his play calling needs to get better. It's He's breaking a little bit. And so we're coming in Thanksgiving. You know, Chicago's coming to town. And for anyone breaking a little bit more than Campbell right now, it's Nagy. Nagy reports are that the Bears players want Nagy fired. Uh, the Chicago Bulls game had Nagy, or fire Nagy chance. Hell, they say there's a rumor going around that Nagy's son's football game, they chanted fire Nagy. Like... That's how bad it is. And they don't have their starter in fields. They have Andy Dalton playing. If the Lions were ever win a game, it's going to be Thanksgiving. And they're only a three-point underdog. Only a three-point underdog. Probably the closest spread they're going to have. If they don't win this game, they're not going to win one. Like, that's just it. The team's already kind of broken. Like, they don't have much left in the tank. They need something. I, I, I don't know. They need to win. The, I think they can. I wish I was going to the game. I wish it was a normal year. There's a lot of personal family reasons why I'm not going to. But, like, this seems like a game they can win. Seems like a game they should win. But I think it's just going to be heartbreaking, another loss. And Campbell's probably going to make a mistake. And he's going to get vilified for it. And it breaks my heart to see it. And when I defend Campbell in certain ways, like, understand, like, I see the mistakes he's making. I'm just kind of trying to look at it, one, through the lens of it's, you know, there's no talent on the roster. We, even with the best coach, we won't be good for a couple years. Let him get his feet wet. Maybe he becomes a great coach. He's a first-timer. Let's give it a shot. I don't, it's not about instant gratification for me. I think too many people in Detroit look for that. They're, they've been so deprived. I mean, look at the Red Wings, look at the Tigers. They're finally turning it around a little bit. The Pistons turning it around a little bit, but it took years. And football, it's going to take you more because there's so many players on the team and finding that right fit and the right coach and the right scheme. But it's I see these mistakes. I just try to, you know, I'm not looking at To me, this is like a full preseason. This isn't a real season to me. This is a preseason. We're just evaluating, and we'll see it at the end of the year and give a grade. But they have to win this game. It's getting close twice, getting a tie almost beating Cleveland. Those aren't wins. And you need to get a win so Campbell can finally get on that podium, smile a little bit, and the players can have some happiness. And that can be a building block. And people always go, well, you gotta worry about the draft position. It's not as important. Get a top three pick. You don't get Thibodeau. You do get Thibodeau. That's great. But if you don't get a win here, you don't have a building block for your players to go. Remember last week, or that one week last year, when we were playing and Campbell told us this and we knew in ourselves we could do it and finally put it together and we did? Like, that's something to build off of. And if we don't get that, there is nothing there. 
And, you know, sadly, if they don't win a game, they might fight. I don't think they'll fire Campbell, but you'll have everyone asking for it. Campbell gets in his car in the morning. That's all 97.1, the local Detroit sports radio will be talking about. It's all the people calling in will talk about is why aren't we firing Campbell? And they're not wrong. You don't do it. You don't fire first-year coach with a roster. Like, the situation he's coming into, you can't fire him unless he does something horrible, which he hasn't done yet. You just can't fire him, but people are going to talk about it, and I'm not going to be able to fully defend it. I'll be able to say, I don't want to, but personally, I understand why you do. And it sucks that, you know, 10 games into this regime, when it started in the offseason with so much fanfare and everyone was so excited for something different, that it's become this. And what it's become, is it is it that bad? Were we not prepared for this rebuild? Were we not prepared for what was coming? Or is it just at the point now where we just can't handle it? Like, is this just something we physically can't handle as Detroit fans? Like, we can't go through these couple years of horrible losing to get something better. We need something more instant, and that's why we've settled for barely making the playoffs or winning seven, eight games as success. Do we not have the stomach for it? I don't know if I do, to be honest. Like... I've tried to look at the positives. I've tried to do all this, and it's just so hard. And I'm trying to stay positive. Just come on, Lions. Campbell, go out, beat Chicago. Just change the narrative a little bit. All you have to do is beat Chicago. You don't have to win another game. You don't have to win another game. Go 115-1, and one, and people will be okay. You just can't go winless. You just can't. time for the picks and when we are hot we are hot we didn't get the sweep we were damn near close we go five and one on the week that brings our overall record currently for the podcast 38 and 27 overall my total record posted through my social media accounts 148 and 112 we are doing pretty well we're making money at least we're profitable so going through the week that was First, we started off Friday night, Houston 1, minus 8 versus Memphis. Saturday at noon, Illinois, plus 14 versus Iowa, winner. Saturday, 4 p.m., BYU, minus 20 versus Georgia Southern. So close. Loser, but I think they won by 17 or 18. Uh, it was right till the end. Navy, plus 4 versus ECU, winner. Utah, minus 3 versus Oregon. Wide open winner. Those weird spreads you got to go with. I mean, I'm going to break my rule when we come up to the next picks, but love watching that game. And the MSU-OSU under 69 is exactly what I told you when I broke the game down. It was either going to be a very closely contested low-scoring game, or Ohio State wins in a blowout, and they'll never get to 70. So, we're on pace for that one. 5-1 two weeks in a row. That's 10-2 the last two weeks. Let's just keep it rolling. We'll get right into it. And starting off right on Thanksgiving, a little family special. You guys are just ate all your dinner. You're falling asleep. You don't really want to watch the Bills Saints game at night. Ole Miss plus three versus Mississippi State. And I know what you're saying. These weird spreads. Uh, you know, high-ranked team, top ten going on the road to Mississippi State. They're not ranked, or I mean, they're not favored. I like Lane Kiffin in the spot. I like Ole Miss in the spot. I think they're going to prove a point. Uh, it's a rivalry game. Oh, Ole Miss plus three. Thanksgiving, 7.30. Friday. Only Friday game we're playing. 
Cincinnati minus 13 and a half versus ECU. I think Cincinnati is just a different team right now. They saw the rankings. They saw they have a shot. They're going to try and make a statement here. They're going to try to destroy them. I don't think Cincinnati gets through their conference championship game against Houston, but I think this is a good blowout spot for them. Auburn plus 21 versus Alabama Saturday in the Iron Bowl. I don't think Alabama is the same Alabama as old. I think people are kind of holding on to what Saban usually does and not really objectively looking at Alabama this year. I think Auburn, even without Bo Nix, can stay within 21. I think Alabama wins, but not by that much. Oklahoma-Oklahoma State should be a great game. I'm going under 50. I do think Oklahoma State's going to win this game. I just don't want to bet it that way. Oklahoma State, in their last four games, has only given up, I think, one offensive touchdown. Their defense is stellar. I don't think Oklahoma's that good. I think Oklahoma State is a way better team here, and they're going to dictate the flow under 50. Notre Dame minus 19.5 for Stanford. Same reason with Cincinnati. Notre Dame saw they have a shot. They need to do a lot to impress people. This is Notre Dame's last game, the last thing that the committee's going to have on paper for them. They're going to go out and Keller's going to try to beat Stanford by 100. They have to. And that's just the nature of the playoff, though. It's the only thing Notre Dame can do because, you know, they don't want to actually join a real conference and play for a conference title or, you know, strength the schedule. It's whatever. Notre Dame. I hope they don't make the playoff. I hope they never win. Washington, Moneyline versus Washington State. I think this is a big senior moment, uh, big uh, rivalry game at home, ending the season as you started with high hopes, became abysmal, and then kind of righted the ship. I think it's actually going to be a really fun game. It doesn't have a lot of stakes for us to watch with, but those are the picks. Ole Miss plus 3, Cincinnati minus 13.5, Auburn plus 21, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State under 50, Notre Dame minus 19.5, and, and Washington money line. Let's do it. Let's get that 6-0 sweep. College football rankings for the playoffs. We're on our final row. Well, we got one more that matters after conference championships, but we'll pretty much have it figured out. So, really, this is just down to the top 10. Not even really the top 10 because that everyone in the top 10 has a shot. It's really the top 7 and the 10th team. It's kind of weird how they did that. And I'll go through 538's uh, predictive odds and their percentages, which is a little bit different of a ranking. But starting from bottom to top, we got Oklahoma at 10. Miss Ole Miss at number 9 at 9-2. and two. They're out. Well, Oklahoma still has a shot at 10-1. and one. I think at this point, if you have two losses, you're out. Uh, two losses currently. I'm not going to say two losses, a two-loss team won't make it, but if you have two losses currently, I don't think you're even considered. So Oklahoma still considered a 10-1, 9, Ole Miss, 9-2 out, Baylor, 9-2 out. Number 7, Oklahoma State at 10-1. Number 6, Notre Dame at 10-1. Number 5, Michigan at 10-1. Number 4, Cincinnati at 11-0. Alabama at number 3, 10-1. Ohio State, number 2, 10-1. And Georgia, number 1 at 11-0. Now, are there any surprises in this rankings? I think there is one. Now, I expected Ohio State to jump Alabama. I thought they should have a couple weeks ago. Alabama just does not look like the Alabama of old, and I think the SEC is actually pretty weak this year. Georgia, don't get me wrong, is fantastic and better than every single other team out there. It's going to take a lot of talent to beat them. But I think Georgia is really a one-trick pony in the SEC right now. I don't think the rest is that great. Now, the thing that did surprise me is Oklahoma at 10. At 10 and 1. Like, I get you're doing recency bias with Baylor, uh, Ole Miss, too, just for the SEC love to kind of keep Alabama up there. But 
Baylor and Ole Miss have zero shot at making this playoff. Why are they above Oklahoma? Oklahoma's still in it. Uh, it's a, They have a playoff game, basically, with Oklahoma State. They're going to play twice, so it's they'll figure each other out. One of those teams has to beat the other team twice two weeks in a row, and that's not going to happen. But if it did, it's going to bring them in. So as it stands right now, I think they're telling you winner of Ohio State, Michigan's going to be in. Georgia's in. I think if Alabama loses to Georgia, they're out. Uh, Cincinnati's in right now, and I don't think anyone under them is going to I mean, it, it depends. Now, Michigan beats Ohio State. Can Ohio State stay in above Cincinnati? I don't think so. I think Ohio State will officially be out. I don't think... I think the only... I mean, even Alabama and Georgia, one of them knock each other out. It opens up another spot. Cincinnati still got theirs. I don't think Ohio State and Michigan can both get in. I don't see an avenue for that where somehow Michigan wins wins the conference and then Ohio State comes in as a 10-2 team. Because the loss to Oregon doesn't look that great anymore. It's, I think we're basically saying it just is going to come down to the Michigan-Ohio State game and the Ohio State-Oklahoma game. Notre Dame is there in spirit. I think they need a lot of chaos to happen. Notre Dame, for them to get in, they need Ohio State to lose. And they need it to be a very close game. They need Georgia to beat Alabama. They probably need Georgia to lose to Georgia Tech. They probably need Cincinnati to lose to UC. There is a lot for Notre Dame. I just don't see it happening. But we look at 538, which is my favorite website to go to for this. In order of best percentage chance of making the playoff, you got Georgia at 82%, Alabama at 56%, Cincinnati at 56%, Ohio State at 52%, Oklahoma State at 41%, Michigan at 30%, Notre Dame at 30, or 28%, Oklahoma at 24%, Baylor at 15%. And, I mean, 15, you're pretty much out. But what they allow you to do on this is you can kind of add something. So what I'm going to do, it asks me the questions, do they win or lose their next game? So we'll say Georgia, obviously going to beat Georgia. Alabama, we'll say they beat Auburn. I think it'll be close, but I think they win Cincinnati over East Carolina. Ohio State over Michigan. I think Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma. And I think Notre Dame beats Stanford. And Baylor over Texas Tech. So our odds don't change too much. What it does, Georgia 83%, Alabama 57%, Cincinnati 62%, and Ohio State 82%. Those are your top, or, or actually those are your top four on here. It doesn't change when I do that. It actually is your top in order, Georgia 83%, Ohio State 82%, Cincinnati 62%, and then Oklahoma State 59%, edging out Alabama 57%. That's Alabama winning. That's not even taking into account the end of the season. So let's look at it that way. I can say, I can't go to the next game, but I can say, do they win out? So if I make Alabama win out, say they beat Georgia, they go to a 99% chance they're in. Cincinnati, let's say they win out, they beat Houston. 75% chance. Let's say Ohio State loses to Michigan. Ohio State's out. They have no shot. It says 2%. This is all according to their odds. Obviously, could be wrong. Michigan winning out puts them in. Michigan doesn't win out has a 70% chance of making it. And let's say Oklahoma State, you know, uh, loses to Oklahoma, but wins out. There's a lot to go on. So a lot needs to happen. I think all you can see, especially percentage odds, is Georgia's in. There's a chance Alabama's falling out of this. Alabama needs to beat Georgia, I think. I think if a loss to Georgia, especially if it's more than a touchdown, they're going to be out. Cincinnati, I think, is going to stay. Ohio State and Michigan winners is going to stay. And Oklahoma State, if they can beat Oklahoma twice, will be in. If Oklahoma can beat Oklahoma State twice, they will be in. But if they split, they're both out. 
And that's where it gets a little interesting. Because if they split, you're going to have for that fourth spot will be the loser of the Big Ten, or not even the Big Ten title game, the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan matchup, the loser of the Georgia-Alabama matchup, all and Notre Dame kind of vying for that last spot. It's going to be interesting. I think right now, if I had to guess, if I had to put my gut feeling Michigan fan aside, it's going to be Georgia, it's going to be Alabama, it's going to be Ohio State, and I think it's going to be Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's going to do this. I think they're going to be Oklahoma twice. I think they, they're lying saying they want Cincinnati, and they don't. Cincinnati isn't worth any money. I think that's going to be our playoff. What do you guys think? And there you have it, our holiday Thanksgiving edition of the Geeky Sports Guys show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you're having some fun with your family. Hope you're getting out on this beautiful November weekend we have ahead of us. Hope a lot of you guys got out of work. Hopefully you find a little bit of enjoyment in the Lions game. Maybe I give you some ideas of what to look for. Maybe you made some money on some picks. I think we had a good, we've had a very good two weeks. I think we got a good setup this week. And boy, oh boy, what is going to happen Saturday? Hopefully I gave you guys some insight. Again, thank you so much for the support you give me. Continue, keep it up, enjoy the holiday weekend, and we're going to get right back at it next week. Thanks, guys.